of the New City Church to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. Okay? So again, like I said, Christ loved his church so much, he didn't give up on her. He died for her. He's committed to her for eternity. And if you're a part of church, that's what that individually he's committed to you for eternity. And here's the thing, he's also committed her to his plans. Okay? I mean, we can talk about bad stuff, but man, there's so many good things going on in church. I mean, you've heard all these testimonies, right? You've experienced maybe good things in this church. There's so many good things going on too. And so here's the thing also. The Bible has many images to describe the church. The bride is just one of many images. Another image of the church is the, the, the church are, is the adopted children of God. Okay? And as adopted children, it gets messy. And, and we are growing up and God disciplines his children when things are going on. But he never condemns her. Never condemns the church. Committed to the church for all time. And, and, and so be careful to condemn something that God does not. But in fact, loves. Okay? All right. Let's use the rest of our time to meditate on another image to describe what we believe about the church, namely the body of Christ. Okay, we're going to use the remaining time for that. And so what we'll be camping out is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Here's the word of God. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay? So what I'll do this morning is, is just focus on verse 15. And I'm, I'm going to start from the back of verse 15 and work my way backwards. Okay? So the first thing we see is that Christ is the head. We're working our way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so let's establish something first. It is Christ who founded the church. Okay? Christ is the head. Now, Pastor Matt led the charge to plant this church seven years ago. Okay? But he is not the head of the church. Now, many of us gladly submit to his leadership, but Christ did not relinquish his title as head of the church. Pastor Matt reports to him. Okay? So Christ is the head, and we follow him. We grow into him. Here's the thing with leaders. When they, uh, leaders always have a timeline. Uh, when, when a leader dies or retires, he or she gives up and the title and, and passes the torch. Our Lord, Jesus Christ, he indeed died, but the good news is he rose again. He ascended into the right hand of God the Father. And so there's no passing of the torch. He is the head for all times and all places. Okay? So, but here's what I really want to emphasize. When we say that Christ is the head of the church, when we say that, we do not believe that Jesus Christ founded a new religion. You hear me? He didn't found a new religion. This is so important to get this. Because if you do, what's the point of the Old Testament? Where does that connection come in? 
He didn't start from scratch. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment and continuation of all the promises of the Old Testament. That's where the good news comes in. There have always been a special, set-apart people of God from the very beginning. Okay? We're not the new ones. Or it's, it's always been there. We're a continuation and fulfillment of it. So after Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world, if you know that story, God foretold them that there would be two streams of humanity. On one stream, there's the seed of the woman or the offspring of the woman, and the other stream is the offspring of the serpent. Now, that story is not about the origin story of how women get scared of snakes, okay? No. We're, this is a spiritual cosmic battle here. These two streams will be at enmity with one another. And, 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 and the stream of humanity that, that follows, uh, that is the seed of the woman, the, the offspring of the woman, they will be those who are called, the, the, the people who called upon the name of the Lord. Okay? And then the other stream will be those who make a name for themselves. Calling upon the name of the Lord, making a name for themselves. And, and the most famous person who called upon the name of the Lord was Noah. Okay? And he was saved when God judged the world with the flood. The culmination of those who made a name for themselves was at the Tower of Babel. And, and they built a tower. And, 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 and God saw, man, there's nothing they can't do if they keep going on this. So he, he put a stop to that and scattered them. And then the story goes on. Right after that is the story of Abraham being called. And Abraham was given a covenant with, by God, by grace. There's nothing he did. And he, he, he made a covenant. You know what, Abraham? I'm going to make your name great. They want to make their name great? No, no, no. Abraham, your name will be great. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have children as number as the stars in the sky and the sand and the seashore. Um, they will be a great nation set apart for God. They will be my people. And you know what? Here's the key that we tend to miss. They will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. <laughs> mission didn't start from Jesus. It started from the very beginning. This stream of humanity that would not call upon his name. He's not giving up on them. He wants to make this other stream as wide as possible. We don't, we're not talking about a little trickling creek here for those who call upon the name of the Lord. We want to make it a mighty river. So, so he's called upon Abraham. And these people, they did grow. And so God specifically showed through Moses how they can become a blessing to the other nations by giving them a law or the laws through Moses. A lot of times when we think of the laws, we're thinking that they want to do these laws so that they can obtain God's favor. Wrong. They already have God's favor. They're already the people of God. There's nothing they can do anymore. They have sacrifices to remind them that their sins are atoned for. No, the law is so that they can live in such a way, because God knows best to live in, to separate themselves from the rest of the nations. And then they are to flourish in these laws. That's God's promise. If you do this, I promise you, you will flourish. You will be blessed. And then you will signal to the rest of the world, this is what happens if you obey God. That's what's it about. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. Like a lighthouse. You know, uh, we, lived, we used to live on Oregon, and along the coast you'd always see lighthouses because the Oregon coast is very rocky. And, and, and in the dark, the ships can't see the rocks, but when they see the lighthouse, they go, oh, don't go that way, go another way. 
The White House tells you, danger, danger, danger. Go this way. And sin, that's what it does. It keeps you in the dark. You think everything's going swimmingly. It's going okay. But then it, you always crash into the rocks. Sin leads to death. And as lights, the people of God were to say, no, God's way leads to life. It saves people. But if you know the story in the Bible, you know Israel wasn't so good at obeying. Instead of being a light to the nations, they were just like the other nations. Okay? And they crashed into the rocks again and again and again. What they needed was a captain to guide them. They needed a shepherd leader, one who was after God's own heart. And God raised up such a man in King David. David wasn't perfect, but man, he led that nation back to glory. And they followed God. But here's the thing, David died just like any other person's, okay? God made a promise, though, before that, David, your line will rule forever. I'm making a kingdom here on earth, and it's going to be through your offspring. But David died. And if you know the story again, just read through First and Second Kings. The, there weren't many good kings afterwards, too. Israel became just like the other nations. Even worse, in some cases, they were worse than the other nations. And so God made good on his promise. If, if you obey, to Moses, if you obey, then you'll be a blessing. You will be blessed. But if you disobey, there will be consequences. You will be exiled. And so finally, after many, many, many hundreds of years, Israel was indeed exiled. And for a a long period, somewhere around 400 years, Israel was confused, scattered. They had no sense of purpose. God was completely silent. The book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. After that, silence. What do you do as a people of God? Has God given up on us? Now, eventually, people did come back to the land. You know, you read Nehemiah and Ezra. But here's the key to the story of Israel. They still felt exiled. Where's God? But God didn't give up on them. The time also came when God sent his one and only son to fulfill the promise given to Abraham that his seed would be a blessing to all nations. The time came when Jesus fulfilled all the law given to Moses to become a light to the world. And then the time also came to fulfill the promise given to David that a king will come and he will rule forever as his line. Jesus led the way. King Jesus led the way from his birth, life, death, and resurrection to renew the mission of God that he had all along to bring all the nations into the fold to bring his kingdom on earth that they may be blessed to his glory. And so usually when we think of missions, we think of going off to a far off foreign country or building a house for the poor people. Those are part of it. But no, mission can be in your backyard. Mission can be in your office. It can be in your, in your kitchen. Okay? No, mission is bringing as many people impossible as possible to the fold to enjoy the blessings of God's kingdom. You see, our hope isn't just being saved and then just escaping and going off to heaven. 
That's not our hope. But how many times have you heard messages like that? What about now? What does the gospel mean for us now? That's not our hope. That's not biblical. Our hope is that we're going to escape and go away. Our hope is heaven's coming down to earth. Jesus is renewing the charge with all the vigor of the Holy Spirit to bring heaven to earth. Okay? So, here's a question. Whom is Jesus leading for that charge? The church. He founded the church and commissioned the 12 apostles in the church to go out and be his witnesses. But here's the thing. They first focused on the Jews, okay? What they were doing was renewing their purpose to be a light to the nations. But this time, through following Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they grew. But then, something unexpected happened. The nations were actually responding to the light of the truth. Gentiles began coming into the fold. Romans and Greeks and Ethiopians and Asians and all sorts of people from every background started to respond to the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so, do you know why they started to respond? It's because they encountered a true church, which is the body of Christ They encountered, through the church, God. You can't get that anywhere else. The church that our head, Jesus Christ, founded, therefore, is more than this building. It's more than a programmed event that that we attend every week. It's more than a set of policy choices. It's more than personal relationships with other believers. It's more than a historical denomination. It's more than a particular type of organizational structure. It's more than a set of affirmed confessional beliefs. It's much more than all these or a combination of these. The church is the people of God created by the Spirit sent on a mission. There's something special going on right now, whether you realize it or not. Because you see, when we encounter the church... We move into spiritual territory that occupies earthly terrain. We encounter God in the midst of our humanity. We encounter the Spirit dwelling in a unique community centered around the Word of God. Where two or three come together in my name, Jesus said, there am I with them. When you see the church, you are supposed to see Jesus Christ. And that's been Jesus' plan all along. Do you hear what I'm saying? The church uniquely manifests God's presence through Jesus. And so so that's Christ's goal. That's our goal. Our goal is to show the world what the kingdom of God could look like in our community. Okay? And that's a high, high calling. None of us have arrived. As amazing as New City is, we haven't arrived We have so much more to go. And it's so easy to mess up. So that's why in Ephesians 4, what we're looking at is is that Paul focuses on growth and mission. Okay? 
Our challenge is, is, as a church is to be more like Christ day after day after day so that we can be more effective for missions. Growth is not a goal in and of itself. You can't separate growth and mission or vice versa. So it's not like the church is supposed to just hold off for mission until we, you know, we reach through a certain threshold of maturity. Now we're ready for mission. No, 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 no. You can't be good at anything until you try it over and over and over again. So you mess up. You ever done this? You share about Jesus with someone, and then you reflect, ah, I should have said something about that. You can next time, right? You, you, you don't get good at it until you do it over and over again. You don't, we get equipped, and we go out, okay? So Paul is saying like this. The church is like a body, and a body grows. The body, it's, it's not static. The church is not static. The church is dynamic, the church progresses or regresses, just like a body. The body of Christ, it needs continual food and water and exercise. Do you know why? Because of what we're doing. We're called to the most grueling marathon there can possibly be. It's been going on for 2,000 years, and we don't know when it's going to end. <laughs> right? We're the only ones on earth called to advance the kingdom of God. We can't put our hope in the government, so don't freak out who becomes president, okay? The kingdom of God continues. Our hope is not in businesses. It's not in um, counseling groups. It's not in universities. We are. The church So in Ephesians 4.15, it says this, You are called to grow up in, into, in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Okay? We are to grow in every way. And it's foolish to run a marathon without preparing for it, without doing it. How do you prepare for a marathon? You don't read about it. It says, okay, if I just breathe in a certain way, if I do this and that, okay, I'm ready for the marathon. You know, as if, like, I'm just doing Bible study, and then let's go. Let's do mission. No, it's like, no, you just do it, Right? You just run. You find out, whoa, this is hard. And you just go and do it. I've never done a marathon. I don't even like to run a mile. But I hear it's excruciating on the body. Okay? So we can't give up. We've got to keep going. We've got to say with Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay? Because so many people have given up. But for us who are staying in the game, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, we center everything we do around the word of God. Without the word of God, there is no church. We don't make up our own thing. The word of God guides everything we do. It's our map. It, it, it's also our food. We spiritually starve without the word of God. And, but here's the thing. This has to be coupled with the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy, the Holy Spirit is our fuel. Without the Holy Spirit, we may be filling up our minds with the Word, but we're still a dying church because we don't have fuel. And the Word and the Holy Spirit is most effective in community. And it's together we run this marathon effectively. We feed one another. We pick each other up when someone falls down. We encourage one another, keep going. 
We lead one another. We correct one another. We run together so we can advance the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Spiritually, spiritually isolated folks are in no position to advance the kingdom of God. They're in no position to run the marathon. This is why we can't give up on the church. It's together we can advance this. It's, it's God's plan. The church in Greek is ecclesia, which means the assembly or, or the gathering. Our rhythm is to gather and then go out. It's like breathing. Inhale, gather, get all that I need. I need oxygen. And then I exhale. You do the mission. Gather. Mission. That's our rhythm as a church. That's how we stay healthy. That's how we can run the marathon. Our church will die if we're not breathing. We are the body of Christ. And so, how do we know then the church is growing then? It's not from the attendance count, okay? How many seats, how many people are sitting on their tushies on Sunday morning? Hey, we've increased by 100. We're growing, that could be a signal. That could, that's not bad, but that's not how we measure growth. You know how you measure growth? is when the world looks at the church and looks at the individual, looks at you, and says, wow, you look like Jesus. The more and more and more that's true, the more we know we're growing. After all, we're the body of Christ. And together we show the world who Jesus is and how we live with one another. Can't love without being in community. So gathering is indispensable, okay? So here's the last part of verse 15. Um, we're working our way backwards. The very first part says, Paul says, to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. Now, that is a picture of being anchored in the midst of a storm. Let's set it in context. In the previous verse, Paul challenges us to no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, uh, in deceitful schemes. You know what that is? That's a picture of culture. Now, culture is not bad. We all have, we have a culture in this church, okay? Culture is not bad. But, but, but here's the thing about culture. It constantly ebbs and flows. So that's why it's suicide for the church to try to be, to, to, to bank its survival on being trendy. Or, or to accommodate too much to culture to the detriment of the Word of God. It's cool today, but it's lame tomorrow. And then you're no longer in position to speak into a broken world. Okay? But neither should the church isolate itself doing Bible studies and, and, and discipleship groups and worship services and other programs without communi- connecting with the community anymore. Okay? You'll miss the point of what the church is about. That's like inhaling, inhaling, inhaling. You're going to just explode. You can't do that. That's a dying church. I want to show you this to close with a healthy picture of what a church should be. Um, this picture, I get this picture from Leslie Newbegin. He was... Uh, a missionary in India, and he uh, is what made the word missional cool in ch- church, whatever circles. And he was, he was, he, what he did was early in the 20th century, he was, he, he went out to be a missionary and he learned, hey, if I'm going to be effective in reaching Indian people, I'm going to have to learn their culture, speak their language, 
learn how to connect with them and take the unchangeable message of the gospel, contextualize it, and reach them with it. Build the church. He came back to England when he, when he retired of being a missionary and, and, and in America, and he realized, whoa, why isn't the church doing this here in the Western world? So he was one that kind of started this missional movement. Like, or he didn't start it. He kind of brought us back as a culture, as a church culture. Be like, listen, we've got to understand the culture. We've got to, but the culture can't be the dominating one. We've got to take the, 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 un, the, 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 the unchangeable gospel and present it in a way that connects with the culture. Okay? And you can't understand culture unless you live in it. So that's what Paul is saying. Love. Be with the community. Understand what makes them tick. And take that unchangeable gospel and present it to them. Paul was the master of this. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. And then it goes on. But then verse 22, To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So Paul was a master of tailoring his message to connect with people as spoke. But yet, he didn't water down the gospel. So our challenge as a church is that this is not Pastor Matt's job alone. This is all of us. Okay? All of us it needs to connect with our community, that stream of humanity who will not call upon the name of the Lord. The local church is a hub for the gospel to the community. And so, that's why it's so stupid to, have, to go through the worship wars in the 90s. It's like, oh, I didn't like that way. Why are, what about the hymns? Well, you're introducing guitars? What about the organs? Well, at one time, the organ was invented too. So, that's not a tragedy when a certain tradition is lost or when you're being creative. I'll tell you what a tragedy is, is when you lose the gospel. And when you get all caught up in the agenda of the culture, or you get all caught up in the agenda of the church, and you lose the gospel, that's the tragedy. Who cares what how the worship style is? You know what worship is? Worship isn't uh, what you prefer. Worship is sacrifice. So, if you're going to connect with the culture, every church should look different. We don't want a million new cities around the earth looking exactly like New, new, new City Shawnee. New City Merriam should look different. New City Loma Vista should look different. Okay? New, new City Edgerton. All the other churches, they should look different because they're trying to connect with the culture. But what we all should have in common is the gospel. So, what I want to end with, may New City Church, and God willing, the church that God will lead me to plant, Never lose sight of the mission to advance the kingdom of God to the glory of God and the blessings of all people. Let's pray. Father, um, this is such an enormous topic. There's so many that that we left out today, but, but I think we get the gist of it. And I pray, Lord, that as a church, we would continue to stay in this line to stay in this mission that you have sent us, that you have commissioned. We want to give you all glory. Like what we just sang earlier, we breathe to worship. And I, do, and I pray, Lord, we would do that in our lives. 
at work, at, in our families, with our neighbors, with all our friends. And I pray, Lord, that together we can show the world what the kingdom of God looks like. Father, we can't do this without you. Spirit, give us power. Work mightily among us. Give us boldness. Give us love. In Jesus' name, amen.